Hi, and welcome to Getting Biblical, the show where I drink too much and talk about my favorite Bible stories. I am Matt Smith, your host, and thank you for joining us today. So, welcome back to the show. If you joined us last week, you know that we went off the beaten path a little bit and played around with answering some of the Internet's most searched Bible questions, thanks to Google uh, Autocomplete or whatever. Uh, You know, hot topics like tattoos, cremation, and unicorns, and what the Bible has to say about those things. Uh, all, All fun stuff. But it's time to get back to actual stories, like it says in the tagline of the show. Here we are. We're gonna we're gonna go back to where we left off. I think it was in Exodus, where we saw Moses. He gave the Ten Commandments to the Israelite people uh, as they were in the desert after leaving Egypt and all that. And that was the last episode that we did before the summer break. You know, the summer hiatus. To be to be really honest, uh, part of that break, part of that was. Uh, because I feel like uh, a third of all my episodes of this show have been about Moses, right? And and quite frankly, I'm a I'm a little tired of talking about him. Uh, he's a great figure in the Bible, right? No no diss, right? Not trying to not trying to say anything bad or whatever, but like just come on already. <laughs> Let's move on to something else. Like Genesis is so packed with amazing stories of you know Adam and Eve and the creation of the universe and Abraham and Isaac and then Jacob and Esau and Lot's wife getting turned into a pillar of salt at the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and all this you know really cool stuff. Lot's daughters you know drug and rape him so they can uh, get pregnant and actually have children uh, because everyone else in Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. Um, you know like super. Super fun, family-friendly things like that, right? That's that's what we're used to talking about uh, on this show. That and that and that was all from Genesis, and then you know now we're coming up on this point. You know, we got Moses and and Exodus, and then we hit Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and not saying that there isn't valuable and important like information. You know, there aren't there aren't not trying to you know again not trying to like throw Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, whatever, under the bus or anything. But there's a lot of, like, the lineages of the Levites, right? And -and so-and-so begat, what's his name, who begat, who's a guy, and things and that, whatever. And it's just like, blah, 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 like so much. And then there's a whole bunch of step-by-step directions on how to properly do an animal sacrifice and what to do with the poop afterwards after you cut open the animal um spoiler alert the poop is usually not burned up with the rest of the sacrifice uh you're supposed to throw it away but (laughs) that that's what a lot of like leviticus numbers and deuteronomy are and it's kind of difficult subject matter to you know drink and talk about and have fun and have a, a lively entertaining show right like you know, those lineages get boring real quick. Like, the names are fun to listen to for about 15 seconds, and then it's just, it just all falls apart after that. Uh, I don't, I don't want to skip these books. I don't want to totally ignore them. So, you know, we're going to give it a shot, uh, pun intended, uh, for the drinking show. Uh, <laughs> uh, we will be doing a shot later, I think. But uh, I'm also going to try to speed run uh, the next couple of books. 
uh, you know, uh, today in particular, I think we're going to try to get, we're going to finish up Exodus and then get through Leviticus and then do at least one story in numbers to so just kind of like speed run and go through. We're going to give the cliff notes that, you know, the other things in that's important or, or what the, the main topics are. And, you know, in the future, I might go back and like delve deeper into some stuff, but I don't want to get bogged down in all the you know, again, the heritages and the things and the uh, how to do an animal sacrifice and whatever. And it, it, even though that could be like a dark episode, that could be that could be fun. You know, like I mean, like going deep into the animal sacrifices part of it. Like, there, I don't, I don't know, I don't know who exactly listens to this show. Maybe there's people about you out there that are like I've been waiting, I'm waiting for these instructions. Like, I'm really, really want to figure out how to like do an animal animal sacrifice. There's a whole reason I listen to this show, so maybe maybe we'll dive into that later. I don't know. We're gonna skip it today. We're gonna we're gonna do a brief overview, but that's that's the plan. Just kind of speed run through it, get through it as quickly as we can, uh, pinpoint some interesting stories, still try to be entertaining, but not let us get bogged down in the minutia of uh, some of the some of the content matter here, but. So just in case you're one of those people, and, and I don't know why you'd be listening at this point, but if you are one of those people that are a Bible expert and are like, oh my gosh, Matt totally skipped over a huge, massive like thing that needs to be talked about or, or what, I don't know, like I'm probably going to come back to it. Like I'm, I'm skipping a couple little things on purpose just to like keep the flow together and then I'm going to make whole episodes out of some little little things here and there, but you know, drunk drunk Matt works in mysterious ways, so just just trust the process. But uh, that's the plan for today's show. But uh, first, as always, let's talk about what I'm drinking. I've had this one on my shelf for about a month or so. Uh, it's a bottle that I've been dying to try for a long while now, and I've seen it pop up on social media, like on my Facebook and things, you know, my personal accounts and. Uh, I've seen other parts of the U.S. talk about it, but it hadn't been available. It has not been available locally, you know, to me where I live until just recently. You know, one fateful day about a month ago, I happened upon it at my local liquor store and my, you know, my eyes got big and I audibly gasped and I bought it immediately and came home and put it on my booze shelf uh, where it's been taunting me for, I don't even know, man, like six weeks. And I wanted to save it for the show, so I promised myself I wouldn't drink it. And today is that day, right? It's a, Here it is. Uh, it is unopened, untouched uh, since I bought it. Uh, I, I have not even like tried it at a bar or done anything. I literally don't know what it's going to taste like, even to this right second, right? I, I, uh, it's, still, it's still pristine, right? It's a perfect bottle kept in its original form. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I did have a few drinks of some other various uh, booze, some other whiskey and bourbons that I had lying around in preparation for this episode. So don't worry, I'm definitely, I'm definitely a couple in at this moment, but not of this bottle, not of this. So enough filibustering. Uh, the the whiskey I'm drinking today, the one I'm trying today for the first time, which is the first for the show. I've never, I never come in raw and done like a tasting on on air on the episode, uh, but. What I'm drinking today is called Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey. Yes, you heard that right. Uh, the story goes, according to their website, 
that this peanut butter loving bartender out in California had created a signature shot for his bar that combined whiskey and peewee, you know, peanut butter. And it became a local hit, became a thing. So as per a lot of business ideas go, uh, they were like, we might be onto something here. Let's make it a business, let's do it. And let's make it an actual thing, which they did. And it's been getting uh, distributed across North America, across across uh, the United States. And you know, I, like I said, I, I've caught wind of it. I knew it was out there, knew it was coming, and it hadn't reached myself uh, down here in Florida until just recently. And and stumbled upon it, got it. Uh, they seem like a smaller operation as a company, like not owned by one of the you know massive booze conglomerates out there, Beam Suntory or Sazerac or whatever. But um, so they don't seem to be owned by them, and that I really respect that and want to help promote these guys. Uh, you know, if they're you know a littler company, you know, if they're not you know just one of the big guys, which I I love I love the stuff that the big guys make anyway no hate on that or whatever but uh, you know always like you know you know whatever respect for the little guys right try to try to help them out i just hope the product is good especially with all the hype like it's like 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 me like ramping up to like a marvel movie or any any movie in general but like you know you get that hype you get that like like oh like this is gonna be great this is gonna be amazing and then you go and watch it and luckily with Marvel movies at least like a lot of times it's pretty decent but sometimes you get like a Captain Marvel in there and you're like eh, okay it wasn't it wasn't what I wasn't what I was hoping for okay so I don't know if I'm hyping this up too much uh in my own head at least uh, you know like so I'm, I'm a lot I'm very very nervous like trying to figure out you know I I want this to be amazing I love whiskey as you know and I love peanut butter which you probably don't know but I do and I want this to be great evidently they got double gold at last year's uh, New York world wine and spirits competition that was like August of 2018 for their for the flavored whiskey uh, division they competed against like 300 plus 320 or some something or whatever like a, like a bunch of other flavored whiskeys out there and they got double gold so that's pretty awesome and that's part of my hype like right like oh the reviews are in right I read the Rotten Tomatoes score and it seems pretty good and I'm also really hyped about it. So uh, anyway, so that's it. So that's, that's what we're drinking today. Screwball peanut butter whiskey and I am uh, like, uh, like my heart is beating. You have no idea. I am ready to try it and open this up. Got my little Glenclaren, my little, my little nosing and tasting glass. I got my scotch, my rocks glass. We're going to see. I, so this started as a shot right the bartender like i said like did it like a as a a shot for his bar so i'm gonna i'm gonna sip it i'm gonna taste it and i'm gonna do it i'm gonna shoot it and then we're gonna do a couple different things so i'm gonna try it out so here we go definitely smells like peanut butter guys that's really good that's really good so it's it's weird so it's kind of subtle right which i like and i'm happy about that it's definitely yeah you can you get the peanut butter you get the whiskey it's not it doesn't hit you in the face too too much it is kind of it's very sweet as you would imagine right so i think it's it's not labeled as such it's not labeled as a liqueur but my brain is registering it as a liqueur in the realm of like an amaretto that type of thing yeah it's really good that's really, i 
Okay, now I gotta try it on ice and other stuff. I bet this would be superb in some different. If you could, I don't, I can't think off the top of my head what it would go good with, but like to make it, put it in a cocktail, like an actual like a mixed drink. Use this as a base, and you'll get like the peanut butter punch in with uh, everything else. That's good stuff, man. Like it's really good. Like it's not gonna like replace anything. It's not gonna be my new like daily drinker or whatever, right? It doesn't. It doesn't take away from a long-standing position in my alcohol cabinet or anything from anything else but it's its own thing it's a novelty definitely i would definitely you know shots would be very cool especially for people that don't normally drink whiskey like i do <laughs> like just don't you know if, if they're like if they're not quite into it and they just want to do a shot of it this would be a great shot it's only 35 percent, so it's really not as bad as some of the other stuff, right? So a lot of like bourbons and scotches and things coming at 40% or higher, 45%, things like that. So it's a little bit lower on all of that. So it, it is more like a liqueur uh, in that kind of realm, but it's it's good, man. It's tasty. There's not there's not like a burn to it. It's you know you're getting what you're getting. I would definitely. Uh, this is more like a dessert dessert whiskey a dessert a dessert beverage uh i would definitely could see like i could definitely see pouring a glass of this while also having a bowl of ice cream nearby and just like you know eating you know take a take a spoonful of ice cream and then drink some peanut butter whiskey at the same time um definitely has its place i am not disappointed they killed it they nailed it this is what peanut butter and whiskey should taste like i think yeah no this is this is good this is a buy <laughs> this is and it comes it's like under 30 bucks so it's not like a little more expensive than some of the bullshit you know liqueurs and, and you know flavored things and stuff go but uh it feels like quality it tastes really great all awesome stuff i uh, can't yeah there we go good stuff <laughs> screwball peanut butter whiskey who knew that 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 could be a thing so all right so that's what i'm drinking today uh, let's get back to Bible stuff. So we left Moses showing everyone the Ten Commandments and his face was shining because he had seen the glory of God firsthand. He was radioactive, basically, right? He was glowing. Uh, and that's pretty much where we left off. So imagine this scene. We've got 600,000 men of Israel and their accompanying wives and children, etc., etc. They're all in the desert and God's just given them the Ten Commandments, the cornerstone of his covenant between them and God. And he's telling them that they're on the way to the promised land and what all he has in store for them. But he also really wants to define how this arrangement between, you know, God and the people there, right, is going to work. Because, you know, you know, to form, to actually formalize a religion. Because before this time, it was really just Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and their families, like, just talking to God and doing what he said firsthand on a, like, case-by-case -case basis. But here, we've got so many people, right? You know, like, it, you can't just, like, tell an individual, you can't, you know, like, like with Noah or whatever, like, hey, go build an ark or, you know, hey, Abraham, like, go do a sacrifice, you know, whatever. It's gotten bigger. It's gotten like so much. It's gotten out of hand a little bit. So now we got to put some protocols in place. We got to put some systems in place uh, to make things official. So the first thing to do, God wants, is basically He wants a church. He wants a temple 
for for himself for God to chill in and hang out and for them to do religious services in all that kind of stuff and they're gonna call it the tabernacle and uh, that name uh, indicates that it's mobile uh, and because they're still wandering the desert right so you can't just build a stone temple like synagogue whatever type of thing so it's got to be mobile it's got to be like tent based whatever but they go it go but it goes into great detail about how to build this thing and how to take it down and re-put it up in the next camp area and everything like a like a traveling circus or something the the Barnum and Bailey's big top or something uh, there's so much information about how to build this thing. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. Like one day I'll probably go back and like break it all down because it is neat and it is interesting. And it is something that's going to come up later. Like a lot. <laughs> uh, the, the, tapper, the tabernacle is constructed of like 48 15 foot tall wooden beams that are like laden over with like gold and then there's like multiple layers of fabric to make the tent parts and it houses the covenant uh the, our ark of the covenant which you know we'll talk about in the future and uh just you know it's just crazy like the holy of holies where god sits in and just like you know the part for animal sacrifices everything the whole thing is meant to be mobile that doesn't mean that it's half-assed. Like it's it is a legit thing. Like the, yeah, like like the holy holies part that I talked about. Like no one is allowed to go in there because that's where God chills out in, right? And if you go in there and you're not worthy, you will die. Like so, once a year, the high priest was supposed to go in there and do some stuff. And uh, lore goes that they would tie a rope around his foot, around his ankle because right it's the holy of holies and you will die if you go in there and you're unworthy but you don't want someone to go in there that's unworthy and then die and then you can't go in and get the body out because as more people go in who are not worthy they keep dying and then you've just got like this pile of dead bodies in the holy of holies as people go in and try to like pull out the other dead bodies uh, so they <laughs> lord goes that they would tie a rope around the high priest's ankle so that if he wasn't worthy and he died on the spot they could then drag his ass <laughs> out out of the out of the holy of holies <laughs> uh I, I love that idea I, I, I don't know why that's morbidly funny to me but um anyway so that's that's the you know, tabernacle is a big deal it stayed a big deal it was the number one like dwelling place of god uh, among his people for like 400 years until the king you know until uh, king solomon had his temple built you know and the you know which solomon's temple was a big deal uh, by itself and blah 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 and then uh, you know the, the altar that goes into all the nuances and you know the details about how to make animal sacrifices that we talked about we're going to zoom past the tabernacle ikea <laughs> building instructions uh all the swedish meatballs we're passing by all that all the animal sacrifices and then we're going to come back in like so we're, we skipped a bunch right we're going to come in to focus now on chapter 11 of leviticus chapter 11 that's all about kosher laws clean and unclean foods uh, but that's a whole other episode, so we're not going to get into it, but like don't eat pork, that type of thing. Chapter 12 talks about how when a woman has a baby, how she is unclean 
and how she's really not supposed to go to church or be touching things, especially holy things, and spreading her uncleanliness. Chapter 13 and 14, all about leprosy. This is the WebMD chapter of the Bible. If a type of rash shows up and it doesn't clear up in a certain amount of days or whatever, then it's like, boom, you got leprosy, biatch, and uh, like that type of thing. It's like, there's a lot of different scenarios and examples like, oh, if you do this and then it's not cleared up, you got leprosy. <laughs> if you do this, but it does clear up, you're fine if you do, like it's like I said it's the WebMD of the Bible. Uh, also, the, the end of the chapter talks about like mildew in your house and what to do. Uh, very specific. <laughs> very, <laughs> very. I don't know. Chapter fifteen. All right. All about semen. <laughs> it's all the ways that semen makes things unclean. If you've touched some semen, don't go to church. Um, half of half of Leviticus, all of itself, is just warning about bodily fluids and how they make you unclean. Like right, like Leviticus is the uh, what's the uh, hypochondriac, right? The or what's the who's the who's the who's the guy? Um, the guy from the guy from uh, Bobby's World, right? Um, oh, uh, How Howie Mandel, how. Leviticus is the Howie Mandel of the Bible, right? Like, you're like, oh, like, no, like, no bodily fluids. You're unclean, unclean. Don't come to church. Can't, can't. I'm not going to shake hands. I'm not going to, like, germs. Germs are everywhere. Nope, no semen. <laughs> That's what chapter 15 is. I mean, okay, like, like, jokes aside, it feels strange to talk about it, but it's actually a good thing. Like, maybe the, like, the bubonic plague or whatever, like, wouldn't have spread so much if the 1800s had kept old testament israeli ordinances you know just saying like you know like wash your hands when you're doing shit like you know like oh if you're unclean stay home don't come out right so it's fun to poke at it like oh my god like you guys are like crazy but also like ah you know what like let's like personal hygiene really underrated back then and <laughs> old the old testament was ahead of its game in that regard so i'll give them we'll give them credit for that Chapter 16, the Day of Atonement, also known as Yom Kippur. That's coming up in about a week, and I have a special uh, episode for that a little bit. So we're going to skip over that. Chapter 17, don't eat blood. It goes into, like, when you're cooking meals and you're doing shit, don't eat animal blood, right? Don't, don't do that, which I'm a fan of. That's fine. I don't care about it. Uh, yeah, no, no arguments from me. Chapter 18, it's all about sex stuff. Uh, don't have sex with your mom or your dad or your dad's new wife and or your daughter-in-law or etc. 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 Basically, every single scenario that you've ever seen in incest porn. Uh, chapter 18 is, is rebuking that. Chapter 19, 20. It's a pseudo recap of the Ten Commandments and the general rules on what God wants and how just not to be a dick on a variety of things, uh, including in including that verse. If a stranger from another land lives among you, don't be a dick because y'all was strangers in Egypt. Remember how shitty that was? <laughs> but chapter 21, rules for the priests which are different than the regular layman, right? Regular, than the regular Israelites, the regular people. 
the harshest one, you know, most of it's just like, oh, make sure you're clean and doing this and don't touch dead bodies and things or whatever. But har the harshest one, so the priests, the priests, unlike Catholicism, can get married, right? The Levitical priests, the, you know, rabbis and things, whatever, they can get married. The non-marriage thing is a Catholic thing, so it's not an ancient Bible time or even modern-day Jewish thing, right? So, so, so these priests could get married and they could have children and all that kind of stuff. So chapters 21 has a little bit about if a priest's daughter is a whore, and it says a prostitute, so I'm not sure how specific that is. Um, I don't know if it's just like her hoish ways or if she literally like sells her body for money. Uh, which I'm not here to judge, but uh, apparently if you're the daughter of a priest and you go into the prostitution field of work uh, and it is found out, then you should be burned to death. So that seems a little severe, uh, to be honest, but uh, that's in there. It doesn't it doesn't specify that if you're just a regular, you know, if, it's just, if, if your dad's just a blue-collar worker or whatever and you want to go into prostitution, it's just kind of generally frowned upon. If your dad's a priest and you want to go into prostitution, then you should be burned to death. So that's, yeah, uh, a little harsh. Chapter 22, more uncleanliness, bodily fluids, whatever, blah, 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 running the gamut from touching dead things, also to specific instructions about how long a baby ox should stay with its mother after birth right very specific very specific chapter 23 keeping shabbat right the the seventh day of the week and the feast the feast of the lord passover yom kippur all that kind of stuff great great information great things we're skipping over all that chapter 24 uh it's a little story about people fighting and then someone blasphemes god and then god tells everyone to go stone the dick chapter 25 is kind of neat chapter 25 talks about the year of jubilee which is really cool. So God set this thing up where when they were formalized in the land of Canaan, right, the promised land where they were going to go to, that once every 50 years, land ownership would revert back to the original owners. So if you sold your land, if you came on hard times and you sold your land to someone else, in the year of Jubilee, you'd get it back, right? So it was like a, a way to like, work around debt and things and like you know like 50 years is a long time like you know like you know it's not like oh once every 10 years which is a, i guess a stupid kind of comment to make everyone knows that 50 years is much longer than 10 years but just just imagine right it's not it's not a real quick like oh it's like like coming back around again or whatever like it's 50 years is a long time to wait but you had this thing where so like if you had land in your lineage and you're you know and like like, oh, this is my grandfather's land and my, my father's land and it's my land, but times are tough, so you sell it. You can bring it back into the family and keep the farm going or keep the thing going, whatever whatever it is, right? And it's also like all these rules for how you should prorate sales of land depending on how long it is until the year of Jubilee. Very specific, very organized. It's, it's actually kind of, like, it's not like super neat. Like, it's about as neat as... What was that? What was Tom Cruise's job? 
in was it mission like mission impossible 3 or something where he like you can't tell her like oh i'm a spy like i'm part of mission impossible he's like oh i look at traffic patterns and do a thing and you're kind of like he's like did you know that like if someone puts on their brakes for like 10 seconds or something up here it's going to cause delays for three miles below like so it's like oh damn like that's pretty cool actually that's that's a really neat bit of information it's not like super super interesting that you'll like stay up at night or like think about it and like oh wow like oh like that's really that's so that's so interesting right like it's it's a notch above like accounting or something where or like it's like kind of interesting like you're like oh like when you first hear it you're like really cool interesting but you don't stop and think about it after that that's kind of how this chapter is right it is super cool it's super interesting you know and and the details of prorating sales of land depending on how long it is until the 50 year you know year of jubilee but it's not like that that cool so i've been talking way too long about that uh and so now we're done uh chapter 26 uh threats about not following god and his commandments which kind of sort of absolutely happened for the next i don't even know what 15 books of the bible right like like all his threats like oh you, you don't follow my rules you turn away from me this shit's gonna happen and this is gonna happen and this is gonna happen and we saw all of that with samson and uh everything else that i don't feel like bringing up right now other stories you talked about like the israelites kept fucking up and kept needing god to bail them out and chapter 26 lies out all the all the re like like here's why you should not fall away and they didn't listen but anyway chapter 27 there's a bunch of stuff on tithing, which isn't just 10% of your earnings or whatever, right? 10% of your paycheck. That's like parts of your field and the firstborn of your animals and such like that. Like just like what part of your shit is like belongs to God because he's in charge of everything. So that's kind of cool. And that is the end of Leviticus. So uh, we're going to tie that up there. Um... Man, we'll go ahead and dip in. So numbers, numbers one is listing of all the twelve tribes, their sons, and how big they had grown by this time. Uh, so Judah, for instance, had seventy-four thousand six hundred people in their camp. The tribe of Benjamin was like thirty-five thousand four hundred, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Numbers two goes into specific detail about where they should be placed around the tabernacle. There was a whole like map of the tribes and where they were supposed to camp. Like, have you ever seen like a, uh, if you got like, gone to a theme park and gotten a, like a cartoonish map of like where everything is located? That was numbers two, like, plays that all out. Like, here's a tabernacle in the middle and everyone else is around it. Uh, numbers chapter three is the lineage and history of Moses and Aaron and their families, but most notably Aaron's sons, uh, Nadab and Abihu. Uh, who who got killed by God himself because they pissed him off and that put a hard hit on the on the priest lineage line whatever of Moses and Aaron so God promoted the Levites to be the dedicated priest uh, numbers four so the tabernacle was a mobile temple right so everyone every time the camp of uh, Israelites moved the tabernacle went with them everything had to be picked up and transported and it's like one thing for like carnies at like a like to pick up the ferris wheel the funnel cake stands all that kind of stuff to move on to the next city but the tabernacle 
had like holy things in it and things that could kill you if you handled it incorrectly, if you were not worthy and stuff. So the process is a little more cumbersome. So Numbers chapter four goes into how to properly pack things up and who is in charge of different stations and stuff. You know, it's, it's the Ikea instructions for the tabernacle. And uh, there's like three different family groups, uh, the Gershonites, the Merorites, and the Kohathites. And uh, the, the Gershonites were instructed to carry all the curtains and cloth decorations. And the Merorites were in charge of carrying the actual wooden beams and the pillars, right, the heavy objects. And the Kohathites were in charge of carrying the furniture. But that was the scariest job because that was the shit that could kill you. Like the Gershonites carrying the curtains weren't in danger. The Merorites uh, were only in danger if I had like a heavy beam, you know, a gold laden wooden beam fell on someone. But the Kohathites could actually die. Uh, be, like like the handle with care <laughs> stamp on on the shit that they were handling, uh, like was for real, for real. Like you could you could you get fucked up if uh, that was done wrong. So that just kind of chapter four just talks about all that. Chapter 5, uh, it's a little bit more dealing with leprosy, uh, and also like a whole lot about dealing with an unfaithful wife. I think we're going to come back to that and skip. It's actually a great, a great thing, but I'm running out of time. So, Number 6 was the Nazarite vow, which if you remember was what Samson was put on, was put on Samson before birth, right? Before he was born. Uh, that talks, that lays out the Nazarite vow. Number seven and eight was all the offerings. You know, when the tabernacle was finished, every house of every tribe had a, had a different grocery list of what sacrifices or offerings they gave to God. And it was a lot. It was like a goat and a bull and a dove and a this and that. And blah, blah, blah. It, it was like like so much from each different tribe. Uh, all boring. Too, too many details. Uh, chapters nine and ten on numbers. So cloud and fire. God... While the Israelites were out in the desert, God was there among them as a huge pillar of smoke during the day and a huge pillar of fire at night. And I'm pretty sure we covered that before, I think, right? But uh, I don't, hopefully, I'm not just dropping that on you now. But as you can imagine, like this big million person camp roaming around the desert, it's hard to keep them all moving and not stay in one spot for too long, right? If you have a million people, like, we're like, all right, go ahead and sit down and camp. It's hard to get those people to get off their asses and get on moving again right when the time comes. So so God would help move them with his form of smoke and form of or cloud or whatever and form of fire. So whenever so God would like sit like like move as a pillar of cloud, pillar of smoke, pillar of fire or whatever and would like stop moving and then the whole camp would like be able to chill for a little while. And then when God got stir crazy or whatever, the the the, the pillar of, of cloud, the pillar of fire would move on to the next destination. And the whole group would have to pick up their shit and move the whole camp, the whole thing to the next spot and set the tabernacle up again right under the smoke slash fire pillar, whatever. Right? That's how they knew it was time to move on. But like I mean, like probably bullshit. Can you just imagine like the pillar of smoke rests like in a valley or something? Like, oh, this is nice here. You've helped set up the tabernacle. You put up the wooden beams and the tent and everything. You go home. 
you set up your own tent, your own dwelling place, you mount the flat screen on the wall, you got like the dish network satellite all set up. Uh, you sit down in your recliner, you start to like, you're like, you know what, like I'm tired, just like you, like, you turn on the office for the 387th time, <laughs> Michael's saying something stupid or whatever, and then like out of the corner of your eye, you see that the pillar of smoke had just started moving again, like it just started, you know, just started moving back out, you're like, you're like, god damn it. <laughs> of course the pillar of smoke like stops and like turns around and, like looks at you and you're like sorry but uh and that seems really annoying but that's how that's how it worked numbers 11 adds a small story where uh that part i mentioned about you know okay like the thing i just said about god being a pillar of fire to guide their way well i guess people were complaining uh to moses and god got a little uh heated pun intended and sort of accidentally killed some of the people on the outskirts of the camp or something uh the fire got a lot of control and the people went to moses and they come nice nicely complained about how people were being burned alive and shit and moses had to ask god to simmer down which he did and there's another story about them complaining again because they wanted meat they were tired of uh the bread the uh, the manna that was coming down, that was falling down. We talked about that a long time ago. The manna that was coming down. They said, oh, we really want meat. So God, like, I don't know, like they had like a hurricane come in and just drop a bunch of quail to feed all the million people there. And But then he got mad and killed uh, all the people that had started the complaining, all the people that started the riot or whatever about like, we want meat. We don't want manna. We don't want bread. We want meat. Like he gave them all the meat. And then killed the people that started it. So, uh, just a little, you know, whatever. A little, little fun story there. Twelve. Okay, here <laughs> in the middle of warnings against semen and God smiting people for complaining of the lack of readily available meat and such. In the middle of all this is this story about Moses's sister. So, this is the final story we're going to talk about. So, so one day, Moses' sister, Miriam, who we haven't heard a lot about since she helped him as a baby in the river, but Miriam, along with Moses' brother, Aaron, got extra riled up one day because they were upset that Moses had married a black woman. Uh, some verses say he married a Cushite woman. Some say he married an Ethiopian woman. So those terms are very interchangeable as far as the original Hebrew goes, and unless I'm forgetting something or whatever, but Cushite, Ethiopian, whatever, like as far as I'm concerned, it could be she could be from Wakanda, right? And uh, actually, now that I <laughs> now that I just say that, uh, I want to write that fan fiction. Like, can you imagine? Like Moses meets and marries. Uh, I, I'm assuming that you've all have seen Infinity War and Endgame and, and everything, the Marvel movies, right? I love them, I'm, I like with all my heart. Uh, but I just imagine like like Moses meets and marries Okaye's great 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 whatever grand ancestor, great grandmother, whatever, and like like Moses and his Wakanda warrior wife. And she's helping them wander the desert and being a badass. And they're getting ready for war with the Canaanites or something to fight for the promised land. And a silence falls over the battlefield. 
and then Moses like starts up with his speech or whatever, like, "Oh, God has delivered this, to, you know, this land to our hands or whatever. Like, this is our land for us to take. God is with us. God will provide. Blah blah blah, all this kind of stuff, right? And then like, like, then stops talking for a moment, and then it's like, like in the next part, Yabombay, and the rest of the army shouts it back in unison, Yabombay, and then Yabombay, Yabombay. And like it's just, it's, I just I would love that for like to be a thing. Like like all the children of Israel and Okoye's great 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 grandmother there as well. Like that's that's my that's one of my it's such a cool scene in Infinity War. Like like just like it it puts chills up my spine, man. Like I just I love it every single time. Like the space dogs are coming down from Thanos' ship and they're like Captain America's there and uh yeah like they're all like whatever like they're all you know rockets there uh bucky's there all, all everyone's there and like but but the wakandans are there and t'challa is there in front with all his people and you know like just like that whole like the war chant like war chants man like that's so uh so invigorating about war chants anyway it's such a cool scene also like as a story about like I'm supposed to be talking about Bible stories, but I love Marvel shit too much. Um, did you know that apparently that whole scene, that whole war chant for Infinity War was improvised? Uh, yeah, apparently the actor M'Baku, who or, or I can't remember his actual name, I apologize. The character of the the actor that plays M'Baku, uh, he screamed it out while they were like just lining up, waiting for them to hit. Like I guess they were like waiting for like. Maybe like them to say like say like okay and action or something and uh, the the actor that plays Mbaku screamed that out because it was something that had been said in the Black Panther movie I'm pretty sure so he screams that out and then Chadwick Bosman you know T'Challa picked up on it and he starts chanting it and then the whole crowd just starts chanting it too and it it wasn't scripted it wasn't a part of it and uh, it's just super super fucking cool it's such a cool scene just uh, like I said it just moves me every time I see it just to have that many like just like warriors and just ready to ready to fucking fight and and do do their duty just very so manly so so fucking, and like not even I, I shouldn't even say manly I like Okoye was Okoye Okoye was in there in the middle of it uh Ashuri was up uh trying to help Vision I guess but like uh, the warrior princess is there not just manly just um, scrap that word just badass just badassery all around and I know like I'm delving deep into my love of Infinity War but real quick did you know uh, apparently that's so that that word I'm probably not even saying it right but you know Yabombay whatever is actually a real word it's not made up it's not Wakandan it's actually a real word uh, from a South African language and it means to hold fast or hold strong and which which makes perfect sense for that scene, right? When the space dogs were coming down, and they had to, you know, they're like they're trying to like, like defend not only Wakanda but the Infinity Stone in Vision's forehead and everything. Hold fast, hold strong. Anyway, just so cool, man. I like, I just ah, oh, I love that. I love it so much. So thank you for letting me talk about that. Where was I? So Mo so Moses marries this girl from Wakanda or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and his sister does not like it. So she's talking against Moses because he married this girl. And it devolved into, like, you think you're hot shit, Moses? Like, you're better than all of us because God talks to you? Well, God talks to us, too. We're also prophets. 
you're not better than us blah 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 like right like so her issue is probably racism but then she 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 twisted it into something else that sounded like it wasn't racism or something i don't know and it's the uh if you saw my twitter it's the meme of the crying pointing like white woman on one side of the image and the cat sitting at the table on the other side and just like the you know so miriam is like how dare you marry a black woman moses you know think that you're better than us and moses is the cat just like the fuck what what what's happening here but god heard her say all this god heard her and god like calls down they're like in like moses house or some shit or whatever and like god says hey come to the tabernacle right fucking now we need to talk so they all go to the tabernacle and god's there in a big pillar of smoke and he calls out to aaron and miriam specifically he's like come here we're gonna talk and they like walk into like the cloud of smoke that god is is at that like i was gonna say like the god is in but like the cloud of smoke is god so anyway so they walk into the cloud of smoke that is god and he's like here's the deal yeah some people i choose to be prophets for me and if i want them to know something or work on something or whatever i tell them what i want through visions and dreams and things like that moses is not that type of prophet just for the record moses is my boy i don't give moses dreams or visions or bullshit i tell him we talk for reals for reals which literally makes him better than you miriam like fuck off you stupid bitch and uh like like who do you think you are to be on the same level as fucking moses like like, it blows my mind that you think you can just come up and start complaining about my chosen prophet. And, like, God got heated. God's like, I, I can't even. <laughs> you got me fucked up. <laughs> so God is mad, and the pillar of smoke leaves. And then there, just as the smoke leaves, everyone sees Miriam. And the Bible says she was completely covered. She was white as snow with leprosy right like i feel like i feel like god was like so you want to be a racist bitch huh like god god channeled exhibit for a second like like i heard you like being white so we put some white on your white we hooked you up with leprosy like, like you're in your trunk more leprosy leprosy on leprosy like white on white and moses is like god, that's horrible moses is like holy shit and he goes to god and says hey she's still my sister leprosy is horrible you made your point can you heal her now please and god is like you know what uh, this is one of my favorite diss lines in the whole bible god goes to moses and god says hey if her father had spit in her face would she not feel ashamed for at least a week put her outside the camp with her leprosy ass make her go live with all the other leprosy people for a week and then she'll be healed and then you can bring her back in and that is exactly what happened and like she she had to live with leprosy and outside the camp in the leprosy village or whatever like the leprosy slums or something and uh for for a whole week and then she got healed and came back inside and hopefully hopefully she was never racist again like i hopefully god made his point like like 
how dare you like it doesn't specifically talk about her her racism i guess but you know like the fact that moses had married you know like a black girl or whatever like like god didn't give a fuck about that did not did not care um anyway that's the story of the time that miriam got leprosy because she was a racist and that's all the time we have uh we tried to speed run through leviticus and now we're halfway through numbers so i'd say it's been a pretty decent day pretty decent episode that's our show thank you for joining us i hope that you have a fantastic week cheers